0: Several miles off the main highway, tucked away in a secluded canyon on prime vineyard property, stands a rustic barn that was built many decades before the vines around it were planted. In that barn, a sophisticated broadcast and recording studio has been built. The barn also has a well-hidden root cellar stocked with many of the world's most exceptional wines, only to be shared with guests who secretly come to offer their insights and tell their stories. Guests are sworn to secrecy, and our shuttle to the studio aboard a John Deere tractor. Those who cannot make the journey in person are interviewed by satellite hookup, and sometimes the crew simply sneaks away with microphones in hand and interviews guests in barrel rooms, wine cellars, and other magical places. All of this is done like clockwork every single week, so that we can bring you another episode of Grape Encounters Radio.
1: Me a grape,
0: crush me some ice, skin me a peach, save the fuzz for my pillow.
2: And it is time for your weekly grape encounter. I am your wine captain, David Wilson here. Today's show I think has a theme. I didn't actually intend it to, but the theme would be women who write about wine. And there's a brand new wine book that has come out. We're going to be talking about that in just a little bit. But there is another person who writes about wine, and she is an author. But what she's written most recently, it really almost defies description. I'm talking about Laura Catania. And if you're not familiar with the Catania name, you should be, and definitely if you're a Malbec drinker, you would definitely know the Catania name. They've been responsible for making some of the best Malbecs and other varietals in Argentina for a very long time. And Laura Catania is a very interesting character that I've wanted to get on the show. And I know we'll do it eventually, maybe after she hears about this little piece that I'm doing right now. She'll be inclined to come and join us behind the microphone. She is not always in Argentina. She is in San Francisco, where she is an emergency doctor and a very good one from what I understand. But I digress a little bit. Let's talk about the piece of work that she has just written. She hasn't just written a piece. She also stars in a stage version of Same. It's so amazing. They have a brand of wine called Catania Zapata. And I have always told people that the Catena Zapata wine, in my opinion, is one of the best, greatest buys out there. You can get it in the U.S., I think, for probably under $150 a bottle. So I know that, yeah, that's a lot of money to pay for a wine. But after you've tasted it, you'll go bonkers and you'll understand the price. And, and in my opinion, actually, it's probably a very low price for the wine, considering just how incredibly beautiful it is. Well, they created a new label for Catania Zapata's Malbec Argentino 2015. And it is a humdinger. It depicts the history of Malbec in Argentina. It's a very complex uh, piece of artwork, which looks like it could go back to the 15 and 1600s. But anyway, it's really quite a, a striking piece. It's got four characters on it, and those four characters were the inspiration for Laura to, along with another member of the family, write this four-act play in which she plays all of the parts. And it's played in small theaters uh, around uh, the East Coast and some other places. But from what I understand, it will be coming to a wine bar near you or maybe an even bigger place than that. Let's go back, though, and talk for a second about Laura because – She is really considered to be one of the great faces of winemaking in Argentina, and then we'll talk a little bit about the play after that. Anyway, Laura is a fourth-generation Argentine vintner. She's a physician. As I said, she's an author. Laura was born in Mendoza and spent her childhood with her grandfather, Domingo, at the family's winery in the small village of La Libertad. Anyway, yeah, she graduated magna cum laude from, uh, of all places, Harvard University back in 1988 and has a medical doctor degree from Stanford University. So we aren't talking degrees online here, folks. This is a very smart, well-educated person. Back in 1995, Laura joined her father, Nicholas Catania Zapata, at the family's winery. And they founded the Catania Institute of Wine. With the idea of making Argentine wines that could stand up against the best wines of the world, and boy, do they ever. Well, Laura has continued to practice all of these years and be the wine director at Catania as well. Dave McIntyre of the Washington Post wrote this about Laura. He says, since Laura Catania took over and put her name on the label, the estate series seems to have taken on a bigger, brassier expression. The Catania Zapata wines can stand proudly among the best in the world. And, and I agree. You know, I get asked the question all the time, what's your favorite wine? And there's a lot of wines to choose from when somebody throws that question at me. But I still think that one of the grandest, most uh, explosive experiences that I ever had was with the Catania Zapata wine. Well, all right, let's uh, go on with the show here for a second. And I mean, not my show, but with the play. Well, it all began with the label, and according to Dr. Catania, for the most part, uh, labels are just marketing tools designed to quickly catch the eye from a store shelf, she says. But we had a different idea. Why not create a label that delves deeper and dramatizes the incredible cultural story behind Malbec's migration from Europe to the Americas? It's funny, I tell a story about how Malbec got here or how Malbec got to Argentina from the U.S., and it's a very different story than is in this play. Let's just say that I anthropomorphize wines and give them personalities. If I have time, I'll tell you that story in a little bit, but I just want to share this one with you because it's, it's so amazingly interesting. Anyway, it um, took them about a year to create the original artwork for the Zapata Malbec. It's a collectible release, which probably makes it even more expensive and valuable. But anyway, the uh, label artwork also inspired Dr. Catania to create this four-act play with four allegorical female figures, and she did that in conjunction with her brother-in-law, who is playwright Gustavo Balejo, and in the performance, Dr. Catania... Herself brings the four figures from the label to life. The theatrical piece debuted on May 7th to an audience of trade and media at Balvanera, which is an Argentine restaurant in New York's Lower East Side. And then a second performance took place during the Nantucket Wine and Food Festival, which I wanted to go to and couldn't get there. But anyway, there's a lot of other scheduled performances coming up. And so you'll just have to Google that and see if you can catch it because I have a feeling it is a wonderful thing to experience. Anyway, uh, the idea for the label began with Dr. Catania's sister. Now, she's a historian, Adriana Catania. I mean, this is a no slouch family here, folks. There are playwrights in the family and historians in the family and the greatest winemakers in the world in the family and doctors. And yeah, this is a serious family. But anyway, the idea came from Adriana Catania. She says the story of wine has almost always been told from a male perspective. And we decided that it was time to honor the women who were intrinsic in Malbec's travel from Europe to the Americas. And frankly, I don't know that story. Anyway, Dr. Catania says, as we dove into our research, we were amazed by the stories. They were funny, dramatic, and sometimes tragic. I was inspired to write the play. Anyway, for her performance, Dr. Catania fleshed out the roles of all four of the characters depicted on the label, which include Eleanor of Aquitaine, the 12th century monarch, and Malbec's first champion. The character Madame Phylloxera, which was not a real person, but a disease that wiped out almost everything in Europe. She describes Madame Phylloxera as the voracious female aphid that was the scourge of Bordeaux in the 1850s. Uh, Also in the play, the Italian immigrant Anna Mosetta, who is Catania's own great-grandmother and represents those who brought the first Malbec cuttings to the Americas, and finally, Adriana Catania, who was at the side of her father, Nicholas Catania, as he established the grape variety as a treasure of the new world. The label, by the way, just took top honors at the Drinks Business Award, which is a very prestigious award to receive for a label. So you got to check it out. Anyway, I'm not going to tell you any more to spoil the play for you. I think what our next step should be is to get uh, Dr. Laura in here. No, not that Dr. Laura. (laughs) Dr. Laura Catania in here. And let's see if we can get a complete rundown of the story. And what I'll probably do is tell you my story about uh, the evolution of Malbec, and you can compare it to hers, and you'll see, well, I'm just full of it. <laughs> okay. All right, we're going to move on, but this is something worth looking out for, and I'm going to see if I can find a video of this play on stage. and Maybe I can share that with you as well, but uh, I thought it was a fun story and glad to share it here now. All right, we're going to move on on in just a second here. There's a brand spanking new book out. It's it's really an entry-level book, I would say, but it is designed to help people who are finding themselves falling in love with wine to give them the basics that might not be the basics that you're going to find in a typical wine class or in some other kind of wine book. It'll be really interesting to uh, talk to the author and see why she wrote what she wrote. That's coming up next. It is The Wine Lover's Apprentice, coming up next on Grape Encounters.
0: No good story about wine deserves to be bottled up. Committed to uncorking a new wine story every day is your host, David Wilson, right after this. We
2: like to talk about wine. Hi, it's David Wilson, and if you're a frequent listener, you know that I constantly tell you the importance of aerating most wines. If you don't, you're simply not tasting your wine in all of its glory. Well, there's a remarkable new wine aeration product out that's beautiful, mesmerizing, and destined to revolutionize conventional decanting. It's the V-Spin, a gorgeous decanter that sits on a simple stand. But inside that stand is some very innovative magnetic technology, which enables the wine in the decanter to swirl silently, creating a vortex that exposes the wine to the perfect amount of air in just a few minutes, accomplishing what otherwise could take hours and you can adjust the speed and time to perfectly suit the wine varietal. I've put the vSpin through rigorous testing, and the results were consistently stunning. And you can now buy it on Amazon. Learn more at vspin.us. That's V as in vino, spin.us. I want to tell you about one of my absolute favorite treats in the world. I take a piece of triple cream brie cheese, put a few very special 100% organic heirloom walnuts on top, and then drizzle a little honey on it to make this a purely irresistible morsel of deliciousness. Then, I pour myself a small serving of decadent port-style wine to create the perfect complement. That's just one example of how I pamper myself with products from M.M. Organics in Paso Robles, California. Now, you're on your own with the honey and brie, but the walnuts and port-style dessert wine can be ordered online at mmorganics.com. They've also got lots of other delicious walnut products available, including their peerless, sprouted walnuts in lots of decadent flavors, organic gluten-free walnut flour, raw organic walnut butter. Estate State Organic Walnut Oil, and Fairtrade Dark Chocolate Covered Walnuts. MM Organics products are among the best in the world. Get yours shipped right away at mmorganics.com.
0: Connecting winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson, broadcasting from our wine cellar studio in idyllic Atascadero, centrally located in the Central Coast wine country of San Luis Obispo County, California.
2: And we We're back with Grape Encounters Radio, and I love it when people come out with new wine books. I love to cover the wine books. There's a lot of them out there, but I'm always curious about why somebody writes about wine and why they wrote what they did. Wine is so subjective, and we all see different things as being more important than others. Well, I uh, had a a book referred to me by a a dear friend of mine who works in radio. Through the magic of technology, it took all of about 24 hours for the book to be in my hands, and I really enjoyed uh, this particular author's take on wine. I got a lot of questions for her. Oh, my gosh. She is sitting in the hot seat right now. It's Kathleen Bershad. The book is The Wine Lover's Apprentice. Words of wisdom for would be enophiles. Say that 10 times fast. And Kathleen, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, David. I'm so delighted
2: to be here. Well, I'm delighted to have you. Had a lot of fun going through the book. Please. So let's talk about your background. You know, how you got to this particular place in life to decide to become an author. Is, is this your first book, for, first of all?
1: Uh, the exciting thing is it is my first book, and I had a very circuitous path to the wine industry. I did public relations for a very long time, and food- Writing was a hobby. A friend of mine, when I was at one of these crossroads, did a smack on the forehead thing to me and was like, "Do food PR." But in the course of figuring that out, I discovered wine, and it was really kind of a hopeless romance between myself and the bottle.
2: Okay, so so this raises, um, I think, the first question: Why is it? that for the majority of the population, that we really don't think about wine all that much. You go to a restaurant, you, you, wanna, you think you want a red wine with dinner. You say, hey, what kind of red wine do you got? They name two or three or four, and you go, okay, I'll have that. And as far as the wine knowledge goes with that particular person, it's five different reds and four or five different whites, and there's some rosé, and an awful lot of people think that all rosés are white Zinfandel. <laughs> Which, of course, is not the case, right? So Completely the, different wine. And it really depends, as you know, where you go in the country. Because if you go into California or New York, I would say, and, you know, places like Chicago, certainly Washington and Oregon, the amount of wine savvy out there is tremendous. But then you can get in other parts of the country. And I've had lots of people write me about the fact that the choices are so few that, you know, they don't really dive deeply into it, because they may not be able to find these wines that you and I talk about readily in whatever kind of store, retail environment they have to go to to get the wines. In other words, for the lion's share of the population, don't you think we just oversimplify something terrible?
1: Well, yes and no. I think there are a lot of people who are interested in wine, without question. And it really sort of depends on, you kind of have to pick your restaurants or where you're going for Sort of your wine purposes. You know, if you want a nicer wine and a nicer wine experience, kind of look for those nicer restaurants and kind of avoid you know those hole-in-the-wall places where it's like, well, what kind of wine do you have? They're like, well, red and white. You're like, okay, I'll have the beer um, (laughs) because
2: (laughs) I'll have beer.
1: You know, there are moments where they're just not telling you really a lot of information. You just kind of, it's wise to steer away. But I think people are really becoming, you know, even even sort of in, you know, the hinterlands or, or, you know, what some people call flyover country, people are becoming more interested in wine and people are becoming more engaged with it. I think it's because for so long, kind of starting with Prohibition, we were cocktail country. Nobody, you know, drank that wine stuff even after Prohibition was lifted. And then, you know, beer kind of became a thing and people were drinking beer. And the wine you could get, you know, kind of even up into the 80s was, you know, Gallo Hardy Burgundy and the jug. But since then, in the 80s and the 90s and on, we've had such a wonderful revolution. And I think people are really starting to to be drawn to that and to really want to explore and learn more about what's going on in the world of wine.
2: There is that frustration out there. and, And I talk to so many people who, yeah, they're interested in wine. If they happen to come to a place like California where wine is as common as air, they get turned on by these wines, but then they go home and they get frustrated because a lot of the wine that's available to them is in a box and, right. and that's not even disparaging boxed wines but it is it is frustrating for the person who has that wine gene you know where they're going to want to learn everything they possibly can but then accessibility becomes a real serious issue and i would say this to anybody that's in a state where it's tough for you to get good wines, go double check the rules because they're changing and you may not know it, but there's probably a good chance you can get the wines online and you should because they're going to be less expensive anyway.
1: Right, no, definitely. There's always a way to kind of get wine and, you know, shipping, as you say, kind of really varies from from state to state and even what store, what person you talk to, it's really quite variable. Or if you live kind of, you know, near a border and have someone, well, can I ship this wine to you, and then, you know, I'll come pick it up the right. next time I see you or something. Or get involved. Be active in your community and kind of nudge the people at your wine store or at your restaurant and say, you know, I, I had this and I really liked it. Can you get this for me? Or can you get something along these lines for me? And, and kind of, you know, push people a little bit.
2: The sad part about that, about that story is this, the... The reason that a lot of really top quality wines don't make it to certain locales is because they don't have the marketing dollars behind it. They don't have the big operation behind it. And so a, a company, and I'm not saying this in any way, shape or form to be negative toward companies like, let's say, Kendall Jackson or Mondavi, they make just fine wines, but they're big companies, they've got power. And they've got the power to get their wines into places where a small boutique winery would not be able to do that very same thing. So it does limit the choices that a person might have. But let's assume for the rest of this interview that most people can get their hands on some good wine. You know, okay. I think that's uh, it's a fair assumption. But in some places, I, I, I just bring it up because, and it's a it's a pet peeve of mine, because I think the, there's going to be a time when all the wine laws change and we'll have more universal rules in terms of wine accessibility. But for the time being, one way or another, you can get creative and, and you can find the wine. So now what? We're talking to Kathleen Brashad, She is the author of a book called The Wine Lover's Apprentice, which I've got to dig into that title in just a moment. Sure. It's, a, it's a great book for those of you who want a uh, you know it's not I wouldn't say it's a fast read but it's an it's a fairly easy read and you're going to get a lot of really good information there especially when it comes down to uh, wine regions, wine varietals and and uh, you know some of the basic language that we use in the wine conversation. It's not a book that's for everybody. It's uh, I think telling in the title is, subtitle rather is it's for would-be enophiles and that by the way are you know wine and Let's just say that. Okay, (laughs) so Kathleen, you're going to hang on uh, with me and let's dig into the book. Sounds perfect. Okay, we'll be back with more grape encounters right after this with my special guest, Kathleen Breshad, the wine lover's apprentice author. We'll be right back with you in just a second.
0: sometimes say, it's the wine talking. Well, everyone knows that wine can't talk. That's why a bunch of graves got together and hired David Wilson to do the talking for them. (laughs) David will uncork today's story after this.
2: For nearly four years, I've taken many opportunities to tell you about the place that Grape Encounters Radio calls home, Atascadero, located right in the heart of the spectacular California Central Coast wine country, which offers a lot more to see and do than simply enjoying the world-class wines we produce here. Atascadero is a town where people are remarkably friendly, food and accommodation prices are far lower than in other wine countries, and every activity imaginable can be found just minutes away in any direction, including world-class wineries, ocean sports, and breathtaking beaches, cycling, equestrian activities, sightseeing, hiking, hot springs, farm-to-table cuisine, cider houses, concert venues, shopping, and so much more. I've had countless visits from around the country by listeners at the Grape Encounters Emporium Wine Bar in Atascadero's historic Colony District. I hope you'll be next. For more information, log on to visitatascadero.com. Hi, it's David Wilson, and if you're a frequent listener, you know that I constantly tell you the importance of aerating most wines. If you don't, you're simply not tasting your wine in all of its glory. Well, there's a remarkable new wine aeration product out that's beautiful, mesmerizing, and destined to revolutionize conventional decanting. It's the V-Spin, a gorgeous decanter that sits on a simple stand. But inside that stand is some very innovative magnetic technology, which enables the wine in the decanter to swirl silently, creating a vortex that exposes the wine to the perfect amount of air in just a few minutes, accomplishing what otherwise could take hours. And you can adjust the speed and time to perfectly suit the wine varietal. I've put the vSpin through rigorous testing, and the results were consistently stunning. And you can now buy it on Amazon. Learn more at vspin.us. That's V as in vino, spin.us.
0: He's setting down the wine glass and picking up the microphone. Here's your Grape Encounters host, David Wilson.
2: Back with Grape Encounters Radio and my guest author, Kathleen
1: Rashad.
2: Uh, Kathleen book uh, came out when? It's it's brand new, right?
1: The book is brand spanking new. It just came out uh, towards the end of April, and it's gotten such a great reception from people, and I'm so gratified, because you write something, and you sort of put it out there, and you know, somebody going to pick it up, and, and people are, and it's exciting. You know that they're going to read it, and then you want to know what they think once they've even just read it, <laughs> and you hope for good feedback on that. And it's all been really terrific so far.
2: Well, if they, re- if they actually read it, it's going to be good feedback, because it means uh, they didn't stop at, you know, page 12. So So that's a good thing. Anyway, hey, I failed to mention that this uh, portion of Grape Encounters Radio is brought to you by the wines of Peak Ranch. These are wildly premium, exceptional, extraordinary wines. They're not uh, ridiculously priced. You just have to just Google Peak Ranch. It's P-E-A-K-E Ranch and buy a few bottles. I've had everything that he's made. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Back to the book. So the book, again, is The Wine Lover's Apprentice. Now, I'm dissecting the title here, Kathleen, because it's The Wine Lover's, and that's R apostrophe S, Apprentice. Now, an apprentice is somebody who is learning under the tutelage of somebody else. So I'm assuming this apprentice is learning under the guidance of the wine lover, and I'm thinking that must be you. Is that right?
1: Yes. Yes. The wine lover is me, and you
2: are my apprentice. You have worked in wine bars, restaurants... You're a certified sommelier. You've had a lot of experience now in the wine industry, at least especially over the past decade, as I see it, correct?
1: Well, yes, but I'm going to stop you. I trained as a sommelier, but I've never actually worked in a bar or a restaurant. Oh. I've worked at wine stores. I've worked for importers. I've worked for distributors. I've worked on my own. I have done just about every part of this industry except bars and restaurants, which is what I planned on doing, <laughs> okay. and I got All sort of right. diverted along the way. I
2: right, Never mind, folks. She didn't do what I said she did. But she, but 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 to work in wine stores—that we have a wine store, of course, the Grape Encounters Emporium—I feel such a responsibility when somebody comes in and they want me to choose something f- for them.
1: Well, yeah. they're, they're really in some ways the same job because it's exactly right. You have to pick what you want in the store that represents, you know, sort of the store's mission or ethos that that they put out in terms of wine, and then you, right? People come in and say, well. I need a wine. And then you sort of have to drill down and get specific with them and and figure out kind of what they want it for. Are they drinking? Is it with food? Do they like bigger, fruitier wines? Are they more of an earthy, old world style kind of wine? And you really have to figure out fairly quickly what they're looking for and how to make the right decision where they're going to come back. And I've had people do this in the stores where I've worked, come back in and say, that was amazing. And it feels so good.
2: You know, there's a very important aspect to this subject we're talking about right now, that if that wine or fails you If they're not able to identify what is going to work for you, don't go back. They don't understand your palate. Now, maybe it's you. Maybe you're not really explaining things the way that you should. And that, by the way, is the reason you read a book like The Wine Lover's Apprentice. The better you're able to enunciate what it is that you're enjoying in particular wines. And a good consultant like Kathleen is going to be able to take the most basic of language that comes out of your mouth and translate. Translated into, oh, you should be drinking Tanat. You should be drinking, you know, Syrah or whatever it might be. That's your job as the wine lover,
1: right? Yes, but it helps, as you pointed out at the beginning. People don't always live in an area where you have a wine store with people who are knowledgeable. They're just in there because. You know, they need a job and nothing wrong with needing a job or being in a wine store. But if you need help, that's not your best situation. But the book really tries to help people, as you say, understand what their palate is. And then they can look on a wine list or on a shelf and say, oh, gee, I'm probably going to like this wine, but probably not this one. And really sort of give give the consumer a little bit of power, especially for any time, but especially those situations when you don't have a sommelier or a really good salesperson to steer you in that right direction.
2: Given the fact that in in your book, The Wine Lover's Apprentice, that you've paid particular attention and, you know, given, I think, we devoted more words to the wine regions than almost any other subject in the book, can I interpret that to mean that the regional influences, if I can identify the fact that you are really drawn to Italian wines, let's say, that you know, the more that you understand about regions and what kinds of wines and the characteristics of those wines, the style of winemaking that goes on there, the more that you know about that, the more you're going to be able to dial down into an area where the wines that are produced are going to suit your palate.
1: Absolutely. And sort and of the genesis... Of those sections, I, I probably didn't mean for them to become so big, but I just kind of got on a roll, I think, and got passionate about, it, about all the places that I, of which I was writing. But so many people would come to me and they would say, oh, I hate Cabernet, but I love Bordeaux. It's like, well, a lot of Bordeaux wines have a pretty good chunk of Cabernet in them. Or somebody who'd say, Well, well I love the Chianti grape. And it's like, well Chianti is really a region and Sangiovese is the grape. And they're just some basic things that not because people are stupid, but just because they've never had the opportunity to delve into it to understand really what it is that they're drinking. And European wines are tough because they label it by place. They don't label it by grape. So for somebody who's used to seeing California Merlot or Oregon Pinot Noir, that can be really daunting and challenging. So the idea was to just break it down into what I kind of call Twitter-sized bites because they're just these really short notions. These are the grapes. Here's what you need to know. Here's where, where you should look and the regions, and the Appalachians, you should be buying from.
2: And the fact that you can drink a Cabernet from, let's say, California, Napa. Mm-hmm. And you could drink a Cabernet from the area that I'm in, which is the uh, Paso Rebel Central Coast region. Those are going to be completely different for the most part. Yeah. You yeah. can drink a Cabernet from the old world from Bordeaux, that's going to be radically different than what you're going to get from California. You can drink a Cabernet from South America, from Argentina or Chile, and that's going to be probably more similar to the California wines than it's going to be to the European wines. But if you understand that there are these, uh, we'll call this sub-styles of wine, Cabernet at the top But then they're going to be more fruit forward or less fruit forward, or more tannic or less tannic. And if you can get that much down, then you're going to be miles ahead of everybody else.
1: Absolutely. And the idea is for you just to be able to make an educated guess. You know, winemakers kind of get tricky sometimes. You know, they want to craft in an old world style, or they want to craft in a new world style, or Mother Nature gives you a really cold vintage. You know, from a warmer climate like you know where you guys are. You know, there are these different factors that can kind of mess with things. But by and large, if you just have an overall idea of what a Napa Cabernet is going to taste like versus a French Bordeaux versus one from Paso or one from, from Chile, you'll have a sense of what you're going to get in the bottle and be able to make a better decision for your palate.
2: So kind of case in point, if you're a Napa Cab lover, but you can't spend 100 or $150 for a a bottle of good Napa Cab. Well, where do you go? Well, you can get Cabernet and from Washington. You can get it from Argentina, from Chile, from France, of course. Um, other places, I'm probably going to send you to Chile or Argentina, because yeah. those wines are going to be more consistent with that Napa-style cab. I'm not sending you to Washington, because right. that's that's going to be a thinner, probably more fruit-forward. It's not going to taste like the cab that you got from Napa, but by gosh, go buy yourself a, a bottle of, what is it, Catania Zapata, and yeah. you got yourself a winner. We're talking our, to our new, she's my new best girlfriend, it's uh, Kathleen Burchad. I, I don't mean that like girlfriend, girlfriend. I mean, you know, like like we're BFFs. i is, is a girl. Yeah, just a girl, you know. Yeah. A, a girl who loves wine. That's it. I'm just a girl and, who and loves f- wine. And for the next, uh, you know, little while, I'm, I'm going to be her apprentice. So we'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. I, I really recommend you take a look at this book. You can get it at Amazon. You can get it at Barnes & Noble. And I, I, I'm thinking you can get an e-copy of it as well, right? Absolutely. Where do you find that? On Kindle. On Kindle. Ah, okay.
1: Easy, easy.
2: There you have it. You know what? Uh, get the book today. I expect you all to finish reading it by next Wednesday. Okay? There will be uh, a quiz. There will be a quiz, and you're not going to like it because it's going to be toughy. <laughs> all right. We'll be back with more grave Encounters right after this.
0: Remember, as much as you may love wine, it is not the answer to your problems. Unless the problem is you're out of wine. Your Grape Encounter with David Wilson will continue right after these important messages. You don't have a problem with that, do you?
2: I want to tell you about one of my absolute favorite treats in the world. I take a piece of triple cream brie cheese, put a few very special 100% organic heirloom walnuts on top and then drizzle a little honey on it to make this a purely irresistible morsel of deliciousness. Then I pour myself a small serving of decadent port style wine to create the perfect compliment. That's just one example of how I pamper myself with products from M.M. Organics in Paso Robles, California. Now, you're on your own with the honey and brie, but the walnuts and port-style dessert wine can be ordered online at mmorganics.com. They've also got lots of other delicious walnut products available, including their peerless, sprouted walnuts in lots of decadent flavors, organic gluten-free walnut flour, raw organic walnut butter, the state organic walnut oil, and fair trade dark chocolate-covered walnuts. M.M. Organics products are among the best in the world. Get yours shipped right away at mmorganics.com. For nearly four years, I've taken many opportunities to tell you about the place that Grape Encounters Radio calls home, Atascadero, located right in the heart of the spectacular California Central Coast wine country, which offers a lot more to see and do than simply enjoying the world-class wines we produce here. The Tascadero is a town where people are remarkably friendly, food and accommodation prices are far lower than in other wine countries, and every activity imaginable can be found just minutes away in any direction, including world-class wineries, ocean sports, and breathtaking beaches, cycling, equestrian activities, sightseeing, hiking, hot springs, farm-to-table cuisine, cider houses, concert venues, shopping, and so much more. I've had countless visits from around the country by listeners at the Grape Encounters Emporium Wine Bar in Atascadero's historic colony district. I hope you'll be next. For more information, log on to visitatascadero.com.
0: Connecting winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson. You
2: know, gang, there are certain guests that you get on the show that you wish you had like 10 hours to talk to because they are so rich with information. That would describe today's guest, Kathleen Rashad. She is the author of The Wine Lover's Apprentice, Words of Wisdom for Would-Be Enophiles. enophile that that's you if you're interested in wine. It's a really super complicated subject. And when you consider the fact that there are more ingredients in a glass of wine than there is in human blood, you can understand why some people want to dig down very, very deep to try to understand it. I, for one, am a big believer in, you know, trying to master the information that's really going to help you and unless you, you are dead set on being a geek. Um, learn as much as you need to learn to be happy.
1: That's a good philosophy. That sums it up so beautifully. Although although you consider
2: yourself a wine geek, do you not?
1: myself a wine geek, but I've never gone down the path that you're describing. It always sort of startles me to realize that to get a master's of wine takes longer for most people than it does to learn how to become a surgeon, uh, which I find a little disturbing (laughs) in some regards. So the book is really designed to kick it down a notch. And for people who want to get interested, but are maybe a little bit intimidated or don't have the time to study uh, at these in-depth levels, it gives just such a good, solid, entry-level foundation.
2: There is a plethora of material that is written for entry-level wine enthusiasts. What do you think is different about what you're doing, how you're approaching it, that would make somebody want to read your book as opposed to Wine 101 or Wine for Dummies or, you know, any of those things? Well,
1: what what I really felt was missing was that high-level kind of look that gives you enough detail but without bogging you down. Also that you can kind of go in, look at the pages you need to, and just read four or five pages about Bordeaux or about how to order wine in a restaurant or about wine from Argentina. In those few minutes, that it takes to read those four or five pages, you have a really good foundation. And in this really kind of fast-paced, crazy world, I think that that that's really what people need, not 250 pages on Italian wine, because you have to kind of sit that and read that and and go through it, and it's very prose-oriented. And the way that I've structured in terms of the regions, it's much more of a bullet-pointy Type of format without using actual yeah.
2: public- and, and and I think you you uh, you imply a very important thing here too and we were talking about it in the last segment which is the regional differences between wines is unmistakable and yeah. if you can wrap your arms around just that much what wine is all about and the fact that you know uh, there's a good chance I'm going to tell you that there's a good chance that if, if if you have a bottle of Italian wine and you don't like it you might not like most of what comes out of Italy there's right. a very good chance of that there's a very good chance that if you like the sauvignon blancs from new zealand that you're going to like almost all of them and you may find yourself not liking california sauvignon blancs as much because there are there are very distinct qualities that occur because of the environment we call a terroir which is sort of a stuffy yep. word for everything that impacts the winemaking experience but the bottom line is is that different places make things differently
1: but you're right, it's, it's finding the wines that kind of fit your palate, that fit your style. And I always tell people, don't limit yourself just to your usual. It's a good comfort zone, and there's nothing wrong with it. But, you know, just reach reach your hand over on the shelf. Buy the, the Syrah that's next to it or, or you know, buy, buy the Chardonnay that's maybe from a, a different region than you're used to drinking. And just, just taste it and try it and explore it because you never know.
2: Let's keep something straight here that if you're ordering wine in a restaurant from a sommelier, they can no more afford that expensive bottle than you can. You shouldn't be embarrassed into spending more money than you need to spend because there's plenty of good wine out there at a decent price. But, but, have, but, but having said that, you know... It's okay to walk into a wine store and say, you know, I drink this or I drink that. Even if it is a, you know, menage a trois or two buck chuck or inexpensive wine, you, you can certainly say, you know, I like this. I'd like some, is there something better than this? Absolutely. And and, and they're going to point you in a, in a direction. Or you're going to go to somebody's house for dinner and they will have uh, poured for you a, an Australian Syrah. For dinner, mm-hmm. you know, man, that was good. Write that down. Go into the wine shop and say, this really, I thought this was really good. Yes. They're, and they're going to be able to point you in the right direction.
1: Or, or even better, snap a picture on your phone. I cannot tell there you, you how many people yes, of course. Yeah. tell me, I had an amazing wine and I can't remember the name and I didn't take a picture. So you're offering very sound advice.
2: But bear in mind this, that if you go into a, a, a re, big retail shop and they've got cases stacked to the ceiling of uh, a particular wine, I'm probably not going to recommend that you buy that wine because it's a wine that's being blown out. But if it's a small boutique winery, a lot of times, you know, they don't have the marketing to be able to sell their wines at a the price that they're worth. So they at some point are going to unload those wines. And if you can score some of those wines, it's going to be wonderful. But in the world of Google and all of these wonderful wine apps that are out there and so many people posting so much information on wine, do your homework. If you're standing there and you see a 20 case high stack of wine, put it in your phone. You know, and it, it, you might be surprised. It yeah. might it might come up and say, this is a, you know, 83 point wine. Yuck, don't drink that. But it also might say, oh, the winery got in a lot of trouble. They made too much wine in uh, 2017 and they've got to dump it. There's some great buys out there. Buy it. You know, it's like anything else. All right, Kathleen. Gosh, I hate to say goodbye to you.
1: We've had so much fun, David. I really appreciate your time and, and your support of the book and having this fun conversation with you. It's been really delightful.
2: All right. To, to find the book once again, you're going to find the book at uh, Amazon.com, Barnes, Noble. Barnes & Noble. You're going to find it uh, online at uh, Kindle.
1: Yep, it's on Kindle. And for anybody in Oregon, Powell's has it as well. So, yeah, I for think all it's you a, West Coasters out there. It's a,
2: it's, a nice, it's a nice, pleasant read, and, and I, uh, you've got a nice, uh, warm uh, style of writing and a nice, warm sense of humor, and, and uh, yeah, a delightful book.
1: Pick Thank it up. Thank you. This is a book you've for... Been, you've been so delightful, too, David. That's
2: what my mom says. <laughs> she says the apple doesn't cool. fall far from the tree. <laughs> all right. She
1: sounds like a smart lady.
2: All right. Thanks, Kathleen. So nice to have you. That's going to do it for Grape Encounters today. Couldn't have uh, asked for a a better guest today than Kathleen Burchad. Again, the book is The Wine Lover's Apprentice and yeah, it's just a nice read. It's This is the book for the person who's just getting in there and wants to learn more, right? Do Absolutely. I, that'll do it for Grape Encounters this week. We will be back here, same station next week, sitting in the same chair, but I'm going to be drinking something different next week. <laughs> we'll see you. Bye-bye.
0: You never know what part of the country or the world the Grape Encounter's microphones will take you to. Don't miss a single experience. Your Grape Encounter isn't over. We're just taking a breather until next week's edition.